Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber, and today I am here with Chelsea Kundi. She is an amazing heart leader who is out in our local Phoenix neighborhood making massive impacts. She has two fantastic organizations here. One is dedicated toward helping families, and it is called Building Blocks. It's a consulting firm where she helps families with their children, and she'll talk a little bit about that. The other is this wonderful nonprofit organization called Wigged Out, and this has such a heartfelt and vulnerable mission that I'm going to have her dive into it because it's very personal to her. So Chelsea, first, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Where would you like to start? Um, well, I can talk about building blocks just a little bit because we'll make that that a little bit shorter because I know wigged out is really what I'm here near and dear to my heart that I want to talk about. But my my day-to-day company is Building Blocks Family, and I help uh, really mainly I work with parents, uh, but with kiddos zero to six, and I help them with sleep, discipline, and potty training. So providing them some loving family solutions, but where they can have practical approaches, obviously to getting the sleep that they need and then discipline approach and potty training as well. So my background's in counseling, um, but I opened Building Blocks probably about eight years ago now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what led you to that type of a counseling? Because there's so many ways you can go with family counseling. Yes. What pulled at your heart and made you say, hey, let's focus on these kiddos who may be struggling in this area Yeah, and kind of put our our attention in that space. Yeah. So I was in community mental health for several years and I I loved that work. Um, And when I first started having my own children, then I realized, um, you know, okay, what what do I really want to focus on in my career? And I had always loved the parenting niche in counseling and working with family systems. So really kind of everybody in the family, not just like mom and dad. Um, I loved couples work. And once I started to have kids, I was like, okay, I want to have a kid that other people want to be around. And I want to have a child that sleeps well and is well behaved. And I was like, you know what? I do this anyways. And then how can I, um, you know, provide this service to, to families. And at the time there wasn't as, as much of that around. And I think we are so blessed with you know, being able to have so many resources as parents right now, but it's, it's really hard to navigate and it's very overwhelming. And so I started my career doing behavior intervention. I went on and got my master's in marriage and family therapy. So I kind of blended the two together, uh, to make building blocks family. So I I teach, but also do some private consultations as well around the Valley. So it's been, uh, wonderful. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, like you said, you can't separate one necessarily right. from the other. Right. But it's amazing when you can have somebody like you come in and yeah. provide a little extra guidance. Because I know, like when I was a new parent, yeah. they don't come with instructions. No, no. So no, they don't. It's kind of nice if you can have someone yeah. come in and provide that little extra support. Yeah, definitely. And figure out for your family what's going to work best for you. Because it's not, you know, it's not so black and white. It's not just here's a manual and run with it. I mean, you really have to make sure that you're picking something that's right kind of for your family system. And I think that that's, you know, what has building blocks kind of stand out 
a, you know, amongst kind of that field is that it's very custom. And I really want to make sure that because what works for family A might not work for family B. And we just have to, there's a million ways to reach one solution type of situation. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Very much. Yeah. Um, so if someone was looking to get a hold of building blocks, yes. like that segment for what you do. Yes. One, does it all have to be in person or could they contact you and get like some remote advice? Yes. So half of my clientele is remote. Okay. And I mean, now I feel like we're all just used to more remote services, but I was doing remote business um, before the pandemic. So that has always been been part of my model. Um, so yes, yeah, so there can be remote services or in person, which is nice. That's awesome. Yes. Because it is such a vulnerable, like our theme this month yeah. is vulnerability. Yes. Talk yes. about a vulnerable time for a parent. Yes. You're facing challenges and mm-hmm. you start to feel like, oh, I don't know if I can be sure. this parent that I desire to be and then sure. they can get advice. It doesn't have to be in person. You're just reaching for something. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You can have someone step in and help you. That's yeah. very valuable. Oh, and Yeah to be able to reach out to you remotely would be very beneficial. Yes. So how would they do that? How would they get a hold of you? So they could go to my website, buildingblocksfamily.com, or I have an Instagram or Facebook, Building Blocks Family, and I'm, I'm reachable in all those different areas. Perfect. Yeah, which makes it really, really easy. But to your point, I do think parenting is such a vulnerable thing in general, and we learn as we go. And I think so often, especially if you're adding to your family at all too. Like I always joke, you know, I feel like we had it all figured out. And then my second came along and I was like, what? I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Um, and it and it is hard to, to say, oh gosh, I need help with this. Or, you know, I'm struggling here as a mom or a dad. Um, and it shouldn't be because we all struggle every day as a parent. And you also succeed every day too. You know, it's I always say it's uh, parenting's like playing the accordion. There's times you can loosen the reins and times you can tighten up, um, but you always kind of are shooting from the hip, if that makes sense. Even as a veteran parent, you know, which I, I tell my parents too, I'm like, you know, um, that I see my clients, I'm like, you know, even if you consider yourself a veteran parent, you're still learning every day and learning something new. So yeah, the, I think the job that is most vulnerable I've ever felt is being a mom for sure. Yeah. It's- yeah. It can expose so much. Yeah, within the good us. and the bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, I honestly, and in a society where it's almost like you should just have it figured out, right? You need to do this on your own, right? But we don't. No. And that's no. if there's anything we can express in this podcast yeah. from this side of the coin. That yeah. is your life. It's parenting isn't a solo job. No. You don't have to do it by yourself. Totally. Yes. And so reach out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think too, you're kind of hitting something like that. I'm a perfectionist by nature, uh, which is sometimes I think a real benefit, but other times I think not so much. And I do think that you're, you're never going to be perfect at anything, especially being a parent. And I think something that I really want to teach my kids or show my kids are the moments that I'm not perfect. Like I really just messed up right there. I shouldn't have yelled when I did instead of, you know, kind of pushing it all under and like, let's not talk about it because 
it's hard when you get older and then you see your parents, you're like, wait, those are real people. Like I want my kids, like I am a real person and I'm not, and I am tired some days more than others, or I didn't handle that right. Or, you know, things like that. I think that that piece of vulnerability and parenting is so hard, but it's so important to show our kids. And we did get the notion that we have to be perfect. We're totally. showing them the yes, way. Right, exactly. We, we know it all. We have to know it all. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Right, even. right, right. Like that's such a repeat theme. Right. But if we don't give our kids room to make mistakes, yeah. what are we teaching them? Right, right. And again, you know, especially like my oldest can be pretty perfectionist type too, but that's why I'm like, it's so important for her, for her to see us fall, you know, too. Like, See, we didn't do that, right? And we still stood back up and brushed ourselves off and moved forward. And um, I think that, I think those things are really important, but it's hard to not kind of repeat the way that that we were maybe raised because, and again, I mean, it's just, we've learned and, and evolved. I mean, I, I think that everybody does the best that they can, but um, that piece I think is something that I really try to work on best I can. I don't, I don't hit it every time, but I, I think that that piece is, is important. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. that part of it yes. coming in. I know we hadn't planned on that. No, no, no. That's okay. Right. But yeah. it's so helpful to be able yeah. to share all the well-roundedness because yeah. now that we're diving into Waked Out, you know, you have all these facets of who you are. Yeah. And it all lends to part of your story and your journey. Yeah. So now we're switching to the nonprofit. Okay. Yep. Which is Wigged Out. Got it. Can you tell us a little bit just about the nonprofit itself and then what led to it in the first place? Right. So Wigged Out is a nonprofit that financially provides assistance for people to either get a wig, a hair piece, a hair accessory, scarves, things like that, a hat um, for any medically related hair loss. So there is a lot of cancer applicants, but there are also, you know, recipients that have alopecia or have lost hair from a medical condition. Um, There are several different um, things that can come up, not just cancer. And I I think that that is an important piece to note, too, because we do want to just help anybody with hair loss, not, not just cancer related, even though my story is cancer related. This episode of the Heart Leader Podcast was brought to you by Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas is one of the nation's leading boutique search and interim resources firms and has been recognized as a leader in identifying and providing access to top talent for clients since 1984. Whether it's a company preparing to go to the next level or a candidate looking for better opportunities, Stephen Douglas keeps the focus on the needs of the people they serve. They specialize in connecting the right talent to a company's needs while also understanding what the market demands. To learn more about this amazing organization, visit them at stephendouglas.com. Do you feel comfortable sharing a bit about your story sure. and how it rallied to even form this organization? Yes, yeah. I actually love sharing my story because. I do think that for me, um, part of like my recovery after cancer, the emotional recovery, because there's there's a physical recovery, but there's quite certainly an emotional recovery. And for me, being able to share my story and be really honest about it has really helped me um, 
you know, it's, it's cathartic in a way. So I am always like happy to, to share. Um, so in 2011, I was, you want me to take it back, right? Okay. Go all the way back. I was on an airplane ride and, um, I was actually flying to, they're still best friends of ours today, their wedding. Um, and I was flying from Florida to Chicago and that was the first kind of layover and, you know, weather in Chicago. So there was just massive amounts of turbulence and I'm just kind of prepping with this because I I went like this at one point and felt right here, like a little bit of a lump, you know, right kind of where your lymph node is. And I felt the other side. I don't think I know it's supposed to be, uh, that doesn't feel right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, I don't know. You know, I I was living in Florida for a very short, uh, internship. So I was like, my allergies were kind of funky. I was in a different climate. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm sure it's it's nothing. And, um, you know, I chatted with some some friends about it. Not, I wasn't alarmed, but they were like, yeah, my lymph nodes get swollen all the time. I'm like, okay. So fast forward to kind of about a month later and it was still there. And I just, I don't know. I just felt like that's just weird. I've never had sort of swollen lymph nodes that I have felt or noticed. And so I had moved back home to Phoenix before that I was living in California. So I moved home. So I was about to get married in a few months. And, um, you know, I just made an appointment with my doctor because I don't know, I just felt like something was kind of weird. And so, um, I went in and, you know, she was like, I was, you know, young, 25, 26, something like that. 20, I think I just turned 26. And, um, she was like, you know, this could be absolutely nothing or it could be something. And if it's something, it's not going to be a good something. So let's run some tests. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, they, they drew my blood. They did um, like a x-ray. I think it was like a chest or something x-ray. Um, and then they had scheduled me to come in for some other testing. But I kind of did that all right then. And I do, I mean, I do remember I called my mom and I left. And my mom's like, I'm sure it's nothing. And I'm like, mom, she said it might be something, you know. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure as a mom, you just don't want your brain to go there. Right. Um, and so that evening I had gotten home and my wedding invitations had come in. And so, I mean, I will never forget I'm, my little, my littlest sister, um, was across the table and we're like, kind of, we're all from stuffing my wedding envelopes. And, um, my husband now, my husband now at the time of fiance was at work and, um, my mom was at work, but I was at her house because we had just moved back from San Diego. So we were living with my mom, while our condo was um, rented out. Anyways, I'm just letting you know why we were all there. Massive transition stage in your life. (laughs) Totally. We were young, living with my mom again. You know, my fiance is living with us too. So, um, you know, Kate and I are stuffing our wedding, the wedding envelopes. And it's about 5.30, maybe 5.15. And my phone rings and it's the doctor. It's never good when your own doctor calls you anymore, right? Like I'm just doesn't happen as much anymore. So I knew, so I pick up the phone and, um, she's like, hi, Chelsea. I'm like, hi. And, um, she's like, you know, I just, I'm so sorry, but I just want to let you know that, um, you know, we, we think that you have uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma or I think you have lymphoma. I don't even think she's, we knew it was Hodgkin's then, but she said, uh, we think you have lymphoma. Um, and I'm going to need you to come back in and do some more tests and we need to stage you out and, you know, find out what stage you're in. And um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, um, get you in touch with an oncologist here. And, um, I was just like, she's like, do you have any questions? And I was like, what's lymphoma? You know, I know what lymphoma is, but I mean, I've heard it, but like, what is it exactly? You know, she's like, it's a blood cancer. And I'm like, 
just, you know, it's like your world just stops, but I'm like not like understanding it. You know, you're just like, wait, what is happening right now? This can't be happening right now. And at that second, you know, I get off the phone with her and then my mom kind of walked through like the back door and like, we're kind of here. And I saw on her face, I was like, she, she knows. Um, we both see this doctor that probably this doctor shouldn't have, we won't say her name, given my mom the heads up. Um, but she did. I think she's a mom and she's known us for a long time. And I'm so glad that she did now that I'm a mom. I'm like, I don't know. Hearing your daughter tell it. I, so I just, I knew she knew. Um, do people like cry on here and think about yeah, it? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so I, uh, my mom walks in and, and I could just tell that, that she knew and she's, and I'm like, I have cancer. And my mom's like, I know. I just, I just talked to her and then. It puts you like right back sometimes, which is wild. Um, this was almost like 11 years ago, which is just crazy. Um, so anyway, so then, and then my husband now walks in and I'm just like, you know, I have to tell him. And I mean, I just remember saying to him, um, like, you're not going to marry me. I mean, because that's, I mean, we didn't, you know, all you think about is like, cancer and death, you know, I mean that, I mean, not that everyone dies from cancer because they don't, but that's just kind of like, I'm just like, we're not, you're not going to marry me. You know, you're not, I mean, and it was just a whirlwind of a situation. Um, so fast forward to, they do the staging and I, um, ended up being stage three. So I probably had cancer for about a year and didn't know it. Um, I was in graduate school at the time. So, you know, some, some of the symptoms of cancer, you're tired, you're losing weight. I mean, the things that I'm like, I was getting married. So I was, you know, I wanted to be in good shape and and stress. stress. I was tired and like, you know, just all the, all the things. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Sorry. Um, And, you know, so looking back, sure, where there's some things probably, but, you know, at the time I didn't necessarily know. Um, So anyway, so we ended up meeting with the oncologist and, you know, he's like, you you are stage three. So there's typically, there's four stages of cancer. You're stage three, like we need to get get you treated. And, And what I was told was, you know, your prognosis is really good. Uh, so your chemo is going to be aggressive or your treatment's going to be aggressive because your chances of survival are high, but we want, we want this like gone. Um, and so, you know, it was going to be six months of chemo and then possible radiation at the end, which, you know, I am very lucky. I didn't end up needing radiation, but it was like every two weeks. And so my oncologist was like, you, you need to cancel your wedding. Okay. So my, my husband and I have known each other since high school. And I was just like, no, I'm, you know, at this point I were, I'm like, no, I am going to marry you. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, no, I'm going to marry. No, we're not, no, I'm not canceling. You know, I'm just sobbing in the oncologist's office. Like, you know, we were planning our wedding and. You was, found out on the day you're stuffing yes, your invitations. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. It was Everything's just, just. Yeah. It was just so, I'm like, no, you know, I just didn't, we just did not want it. So my husband's really like math kind of oriented and he's like, 
pick, you know, takes out. I think we literally maybe had a hard calendar then. And he was like, let's figure it out. You know, when can she have chemo? Okay. We're getting chemo every two weeks. Like how can we map this out to where I, I know you can't predict if she'll feel good after chemo, but like, when will she feel her best? Um, and so he, he was like, we're not, we are not canceling this wedding. And he's normally more like the quiet reserved one, but he's just like, we're not, no, we're not, we're not going to cancel it. And so we did it that way. And it ironically, um, Valentine's day is always, that, that was my first chemo was on Valentine's day. So it's very ironic that we're filming this on Valentine's day. Happy chemoversary. I know. Isn't that crazy? Um, and when I got my port in, which a port is just a thing that they put in so they can access your vein a lot easier. It's not as painful. Um, the doctors, they did like the bandage was like all in a heart because I got it, you know, like a week before mm-hmm. I ended up getting uh, the chemo on Valentine's Day. So it's very like ironic that we're doing it on Valentine's Day, but I kind of like that. Um, so anyways, we like we worked it out and I ended up getting married and um, during my treatment and, um, my first chemo, um, you can stop me too if I'm like talking too no, much. But, okay. Not at all. My, my first chemo, my mom came with me to that one and I was sitting there and, you know, the nurse who was lovely and very funny, but she came up and we're kind of chatting and, um, and I, I think just, I mean, I think we we're asking her just so many questions and I think we we're asking her about hair loss and she was like, oh, you need to shave your head. And I was like, no, what do you mean? Like, does it just, it's going to come out like tonight? And she was like, no, but like you're getting a type of chemo. I mean, just shave your head. And like, it's, it's going to come out really fast. And, and my mom and I are just like ah, crying, you know, I just, just I didn't want, I, I thought maybe there was going to be a chance that I'd have my hair for my wedding. And, um, and I was like, I can't do it. Like I, I want to be like, you know, Samantha on sex in the city. And she just like whips off her wig and, but it was just, I just couldn't do it. It was just so hard for me to, um, to do that. And so I didn't. And I mean, luckily my hair really held on for a really long time, but, um, I was freaking out about my wedding. You know, I just didn't, I wanted to look like myself and, you know, it was hard. Well, everything else had been taken away yes. in so many ways. Yes, exactly. And it's not just about the way that you look. It's just like, Everyone knew that I had cancer at that time. I'm still processing what's going on. I mean, I'm I'm sort of just an open book anyways, but I just, I didn't want to like not look like myself. I wanted to look like myself. I had really, really long blonde hair at the time and um, I still have blonde hair, I guess, but I had really long blonde hair and I, I just wanted it to look like that. And so I was so worried about it. And um, my sister and I one day, the same sister that we were stuffing the uh, wedding envelopes with. She, we were just driving and she's like, let's just go into this wig boutique. And so I'm like, okay. So we do. And we had a terrible experience. I mean, um, you know, it was just probably a wig boutique. They were just not as sensitive. I think there's some that are just more sensitive to, to what people are experiencing. And, um, and we just laughed and I was like, this is terrible and I'm not going to be able to find one. And, you know, the days are kind of ticking by. And so my friends, um, knew that. And so they all came together and they were like, okay, what can we do for Chelsea? And they came up with this idea of getting everybody to donate towards kind of my perfect wig. And then, then at, and at the time, and again, this was like almost 11 years ago, but it was like, okay, how are we going to do this? Right? Like, 
yeah, there was Facebook and stuff, but it wasn't, I mean, that wasn't like very big. It was big, but not, not like it is today. And, um, they're like, Oh, my cousin can get us a, can put up a website and then people can donate to the website. And that sounds so silly now because it's so easy to do those things now. But at the time it was just a little bit more complicated, you know, more coding and all the things. So they did that. I mean, they set up this website and they came to me and they told me about it. And I was obviously like, it was just the nicest, um, sweetest. They even had Katie, who's one of our founders, who's also blonde. They went to a wig boutique together and they had her try on ones and they learned all about it. Okay, this is good for blonde hair. This is what a synthetic wig is versus a real wig. I mean, they were just doing a lot of the legwork for me so I didn't have to do it. And when we all were coming together and just like realizing not only just the financial burden, but where the good wig boutiques are and what does it mean and should you get real hair or synthetic hair, um, it was a lot of emotional thoughts and time, you know, just kind of everything. It was overwhelming. And luckily I had the village that did that for me. And we kind of paused and we were all, you know, 20 something year olds and starting our careers, but wanting to to give back to, to the community. And we said, instead of just helping one me, um, you know, and, and I had some resources and my mom that, that was able to support me in my wig too. Let, let's make this into something greater than just helping one person. And that is how Wigged Out was formed. So it really was about providing me a sense of self back on a really important day. And then that was our mission statement. We want people to feel a little bit more like them and then make this process kind of as easy as possible. Yeah. And in that story that, and thank you. For yeah, being I'm sorry. It was long. Enough. No, it actually isn't. That's part of it though. Yeah. Is that you don't get to hear from yeah. that internal perspective. Right. Um, as someone who's survived cancer, I didn't lose my hair. I didn't have to go through any yeah. of the things that you went through, yeah. but it is such an internal personal journey It is that sometimes we hold our battle scars inside yes. and we don't always share them. And so those around us don't get to understand what it feels like from the inside out right? and how important those little things are. Like you don't stop to think, Hey, losing your hair versus losing your life that gets discounted so much. Right. But it's not about just losing your hair. Right. And so you being able to share that story so people can feel, yeah. like, this is part of a personal mental journey of healing. Yeah, and exactly. If you can share more about that to help yeah. all those like me who maybe couldn't express yeah. that mental side of it. Yeah. Like you're so busy attempting to survive. Right. Like there's just this physical part of the survival mm-hmm. that goes along, but then there's the mental, there's the emotional, there's so many components right. that go along with the journey of just having cancer and healing. Right. Yeah. And it's not always easy to communicate all of those different levels, yeah. especially if you don't have a village around you. Right. Right. Exactly. So when you're talking about the difference this wig made for you on a special day, like your wedding day. Mm-hmm let alone every day after right? when you just have to integrate into building a career, building a sure. life, 
like all of it. Can you share a little bit about the empowering feeling that comes from that or sure. the disempowering feeling as your looks change? Right. Exactly. Navigating the journey. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a piece of it that sometimes you want to just go out to the grocery store and not have anybody know what you're going through because like I said, I, I truly am an open book and I do, um, it helped me to talk through a lot of it, but there were some days I was like, I'm just so tired. I just don't, I don't want to say to somebody I have cancer and then give you the look, you know, like, I'm so sorry. Right. Like it's just sometimes you just don't have the energy for that. And so there is a component of wanting to blend in sometimes too, of like when you have lost your hair or, um, you know, I also, I had a port in, you could cover it with a t-shirt, but it sticks out, a port sticks out, um, you know, and you know, you're not going to, or wear off the shoulder. I mean, you can see that, you know? Um, and so there, there's that vulnerability piece, but the piece I think that I struggled with the most was, uh, my confidence. I felt like my, my confidence was just stripped away from me. Like that's what cancer like took from me because as the treatment progressed, I started to look less and less like myself. I started to feel less and less like myself. Um, you know, not just because of the chemo weeks, I I would always say I have a good week and a bad week. So one week would be bad after chemo and I'd be in bed for the most part and all the things. And then the next week I'd feel pretty normal and, um, be able to go to work and those things. Um, but I just, it was just my, my confidence was like slowly slipping away as like each week, um, slipped away. And that was really, really hard. And I do think a lot of it had to do with not feeling my, my best because of the way that I looked too, if that made sense. So, because it was like, I look in the mirror and not recognize like, is that me? And I, I mean, I still felt like I lived life as best I could, um, in as normal of ways as possible. But at the end of the day, I didn't feel a hundred percent confident like I used to. And that was so hard and very hard for everyone else around me to, um, understand. I'm like a very outgoing social person. And I think that, um, when they would see me really like struggling with some of those things, it was very hard for everybody. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And then I was like, I wanted to talk about it, you know, and that, but that was hard too. Um, I blogged throughout my entire like process. And so, um, you know, I would write very vulnerable things and that was a very cathartic thing for me. Um, but there's still things inside that, like you said, like you just bury down and you hold down. And, and again, sometimes when you do talk about it with people, you find yourself like making them feel better in the moment too. And that, that can be hard. I just answered like 80 things in one. I'm sorry. Which is great because it does. You end up kind of supporting your family when you're the one who is healing, which is healing in some ways. Absolutely. Internally. Right. But there's also, just like we were talking with Building Blocks Family, right? You're there because you don't have to do it alone. Right. And you can understand one another. But when we're going through cancer, sometimes we feel like we're alone because those who desire to support us may not necessarily understand the journey that we're on or how we can express it. Right. And so when we have groups like yours, like Wigged Out, where 
you have done all of the work because you understand yes. the journey that it is just to get a wig. Totally. Like how exhausting. Yes. Something that should be easy. Easy. Like super easy walking into a wig shop and yeah. getting a wig. That should right. have been easy. Right. And you walked out of there feeling defeated. Yes. And so because you understand you're part of that village now. Yeah. You created something that's easy. Yes. And you're helping them financially. Exactly. And that's when we sat down um, as a team and we said, okay, what, how, I mean, we have to have a procedure in place, but how are we going to make this as simple for somebody as possible? And it was like, okay, Chelsea, how did you feel when you walked and you did this? Like, how would you feel if you were going through cancer and this question was on the application, you know, and just really being thoughtful to how vulnerable people will feel. And, um, you know, even just our business is really word of mouth to the nonprofit business because, um, you know, you're sitting next to somebody in a chair who's getting chemo and they're talking about hair loss and you say, oh my gosh, reach out to wigged out. And that, I mean, that's, that is how we get a lot of our applicants to apply. And, um, and I think it's because of our process. It's because we have this understanding of what it was like to sit in that chair and we wanted to make it as simple for people as possible. So our application is so short. We try to get back to you so quickly. And yeah, that's from the procedural perspective. That's nice for us too, but that's not why we do it. We do it because the last thing you need is extra stress about getting a wig. When a lot of your stress is, how am I going to pay for my medical bills? Yeah, because that system in itself is not an easy one to navigate. No, so no, it's not. When you take all the stressors that come at you when right. you're navigating something like this, right? Now you, we keep talking about wigs, but you offer things other than wigs. So if somebody isn't comfortable exactly. in a wig, yeah, what are the other options that you offer? Well, because wigs are hot, and so sometimes you just don't want a full wig. Uh, maybe you want some scarves, maybe you want a hat, maybe you want, we've even done some, you know, for people whose hair is kind of growing back in some tie-in kind of like options. Um, and um, sometimes people do like a halo, which is like, you know, it's just hair right here and then you can put a hat on. So it's kind of less. We also serve uh, children as well. And so sometimes kids don't want to wear a wig. They want something easier than that. Um, and so we want to provide anything that makes them feel better that's associated with their hair loss. So who am I to say, well, you have to do a wig. No, if you want to do a scar for this or that, like we want to make sure that we can help with that. And then we can also help with the care of the wig too. So a lot of these salons will give, you know, a care kit or shampoo kit and we can help provide that for them as well, which is nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And you had mentioned something about other little kits oh, too yes. that you give. Yeah. So um, we always are looking for different ways to help the pediatric uh, population. Cause like I said, sometimes they don't want a traditional wig not all the time. There's some little kids that do, and that's great. And we can help them navigate that because kids' wigs are different than adult wigs. I mean, this is all the things that we had to learn through the process as well. But we do these um, courage bags is what we call them. And in them, so it's like a really cute little canvas tote and you can color on them. And then we have in there chapstick, hand sanitizer, a branded hat. So we did um, some branded hats with another local organization that was actually started by two young 
uh, men. I mean, I think they were 13 and 12 when they started it, but they brand, um, it's called Random Acts of Kindness, but they brand different hats and then give back to a charity each month with their proceeds. I mean, these kids will be running the world one day. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And so they did uh, some branded hops for us. So that's in there. And then a little Courage um, Lion as well. So we try to give those out to like local hospitals and organizations that we know specifically are working with cancer um, patients for kids. So it's just another way to um, make them feel good, a little bit more like themselves, have kind of a cool hat um, and be able to, to help that way too. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we keep mentioning local for wigged out. Is it only local or can you branch out and get be in service to individuals outside of our area? Yeah. So our, our nonprofit is based, you know, in kind of the, the greater Phoenix area, um, you know, mainly Arizona, but we have, we, there are some loopholes there that, that way for sure. You can purchase your wig, you know, with, an Arizona boutique that that could be helpful, and a lot of times people come here for treatment too, and they, they can get it that way um, or online things like that. I mean, we don't encourage the online because you want to go and try one on, um, you know, first because everyone's head sizes are different and things like that. But if you can find that out, there's ways there's ways around it. But I hope one day that wigged out grows and will be kind of everywhere, which would be the goal. Okay. And yeah. if somebody's interested in creating a structure like Wigged Out and they want to get a hold of you and they're like, hey, yeah. I desire to do that yes. in my area. Yeah. How do they get a hold of you yeah. so that they can just take all of this amazing knowledge that yes. you guys have have just generated and maybe help you set a wigged out up in their neck of the woods. Yeah, that would be so awesome. I hope that does happen. Yeah. Um, so they could just go straight to our website, wiggedout.org, and um, all of our contact information is on there. And I will say we're very responsive. So please reach out on Instagram. They can find us too. Um, wigged out's our handle. But, um, de- but definitely our website. That's probably the easiest way to reach us. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Now you are in complete remission at this point. Where are you? Yes. So every year out of Hodgkin's lymphoma, it's, you know, less and less chance of a recurrence of the disease. Um, And then at five years, they call you cured. So I am um, almost 11 years in full, like full remission and then almost six uh, as cured. So, um, so yeah, so it's, So a great success story. Yes. Which also gives hope. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's really wild to look back on and, and just to even say like I had cancer, it still is, I don't know if I like a hundred percent believe it. I mean, I very much, as you see, when I retell my story, I go right back there, all the feelings, but life moves forward and keeps moving and you have your day to day and you know, I have two young kids now and I'm like, feel so blessed and fortunate for all of these things. And then you forget sometimes. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I had cancer and it was only 11 years ago. Like that wasn't that long ago. So it is, it really stops me in my, my tracks a lot of times when I really think about it. And I, I do still think about it often. You know, I, 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 people will always say to me like, do you even think about it at all? I'm like, oh, I mean, at least probably every day there's some sort of no, am I crying about it every day? No, 
but there's something that reminds me of this or a smell or, you know, I mean, I just, I think that's just kind of always embedded. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, it's part of your journey. Yeah. It helps shape where you go from here Mm -hmm. even. Yes, absolutely. So for anyone who is on that journey right now, like walking that path, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them to help them? I mean, you've been there, you've walked the path and you're on the other side. Yeah. And those are the best guides. Yeah. Someone who's been there. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's starting the journey or is partway through? I think, I mean, I think for one, I would just say to them, like, I'm sorry you're going through this and, and probably not fill it in, you know? Cause I think so often you, people want to fill that in for you. Like, I'm so sorry, but you're so strong. You know, I'm so sorry. You're going to get through this. I'm so sorry. And, and those things are all very true. And I did need to hear those things. And, um, I, I, I do know that I was strong. I, I joke with, um, another one of our founders who has had some very traumatic experiences in her life. Like we always kind of laugh, but we're serious. Like we knew we were strong. I didn't need these things to teach me that I was strong. You know, we know that we were strong, but I do think that sometimes you're filling it in. So I think I would tell somebody first, just, I'm sorry. And this just sucks. Like it just does. There's just a, not a better word for it. And I think that, um, I would encourage them to share as much as felt good for them as part of the journey, because sometimes people just don't know or understand enough. Like I've had so many people afterwards that were like, I was not a good friend because I didn't really ask you about it because I was uncomfortable. And I was like, no, you're, you're reading too much into it because I didn't know what anyone was supposed to be doing either. And I think just explaining that to people and giving people the out of like, you don't have to say anything to me, just be with me. I think is helpful as part of the journey too. So when you're ready to talk about it, I think that that is such a blessing to people around you. But if you're not okay talking about it too, like that's cool too. And every day you're going to probably feel different. And so I think to kind of wrap it up, my biggest advice would be ride the journey. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be days that you're going to feel really good and kind of forget that you're going through treatment. And there's going to be other days that are really hard and and what's important is, you know, to, to ride the emotions that you're feeling at the time because it's okay. If you look, you're, you know, you want a moment where you're like, this is not fair that I'm losing my hair. It's okay to have those. Or you have the moment where you're like, you know, I'm a fighter and it's fine. And it's good to have those too. I, I think it's all of it's okay. You know, there's not like one right way. Yeah. I just speaking from my personal experience, yeah. it was almost as though I wasn't allowed to be mad. Sometimes. Yeah, totally. Like everybody around me did desire me to be strong. Right. Like strength. Right. And 98.9% of the time I was that. Sure. But there were times when I just needed to be able to be mad yeah. or sad right. or scared. Right. And so that advice of being able to embrace what you feel yeah, and be just be vulnerable enough to yeah. just do it. Right. Don't let somebody take that part of your journey right. away from you. Right. I agree. Because we talk about, there's always something to gain from any experience. Right. Right. Because there is, whether you want to call it, like you're learning something or sure. whatever, it's just the experience. Sure. So if you take that part away from yourself, I mean, somebody else can't take it away from you. Right. You're taking it away from yourself. Right. 
And I did. I took it away from myself because I hid it. Yeah. And I didn't talk about it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, understandable. And so, yeah, don't do that. Talk no, about talk it. Talk about it. So, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. And I think something I wish, because I talked to a few people that had gone through something similar, just like getting connected. And I think that I wish I would have known how hard it is once you're done with treatment. Because I think you're in it, you're in survival mode, you're getting it done, you're like, I have six chemos, check, check, check. you're checking everything off the box, you're surviving, I mean, you're trying to live. Um, and then when that ends, it just kind of all, the emotional piece kind of comes crashing down. And so after the treatment was the hardest, you know, that those next six months to a year were hard. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a little bit about that too, the mental, emotional side of it, because there is so much focus paid to the physical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the physical is what we see. It's what we can touch. Right. But especially on your journey, that mental, emotional side, it happened during a time when you were just starting your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a baby really looking back. I mean, I didn't feel that way then, but you know, I just, I, I was so young and ready to like, you know, I don't know, take on the world. And then it just, it felt so unfair. Um, yeah, it felt unfair. That's probably the best way to describe it. Um, I'm not a, a woe is me type person, but I was angry for sure. Like, why did this happen to me? There's not a strong genetic component. It's like, what, you know, why? Um, Why now? I mean, all those kind of uh, things that you struggle with. Was it something I did? You know, I mean, I don't know. Um, Am I going to survive this? Even though, like I said, your prognosis is good. There's still a percentage that it's not good. Um, it's a lot of emotion and it's, it is, I think it's a lot to up. You want to be this positive like voice for everybody and they want you to be that too. You know, I mean, they just do. I mean, under we're human. Um, they want to see, you know, that, Oh, look, no, she's happy. She's this, you know? And I was, I mean, I was still, I was young. I was still living life and hanging out with friends and, um, but I was going through something very heavy and it was very, very hard. And, um, yeah, and it was hard not to, it was hard not to have those negative spiraling thoughts. And I'm a very, very positive person by nature. And so I think that part was really hard on my mental game. Did you have anything that you did when you started having those spirals that helped pull you back? Yeah, I do think my blog, I mean, it wasn't a traditional blog. It was Caring Bridge. I don't know if people are familiar with that, but um, you can kind of update loved ones. And um, and I would update this Caring Bridge. I think that that helped me a lot. I think leaning on um, my family, my fiance at the time, I mean, he was really my punching bag for sure. Like, you know, he's just like, I could go out and put on a face for an hour and then I would come home and I could be myself in front of him, which was like such a gift that he had given me, but was probably very hard on him. Again, when you're the caretaker in the situation, you know, people don't focus on, on them enough, you know? Um, so I have, um, a lot of empathy for him, but what a gift he gave me that I could come home and like, let my hair down. And we were living with my mom, which was such a blessing at the time because 
Um, I think they could really like help each other out in that sense too. Um, you know, but she, but she was there with me too, through a lot of this and how hard and challenging that must've been for her to, to watch her child be sick and, and vulnerable at that age. But, but they really saw a lot of it, which was, you know, I'm sure hard on them, but it was really a blessing for me that I could, my mom's such a straight shooter too. So, you know, it was, I didn't have to kind of cover that up for her and, um, and, and, you know, Josh, that's my husband's name. I mean, he really stuck up for me a lot too. Like if, if people in our life, you know, I'd always say like, sometimes I, I would start to talk about it and people would change the subject, not meaning to, I just think it's not a fun thing to talk about. And, you know, like Josh would be like, you got to let her finish what she's saying, you know, not in front of everybody, but like to the side. And, and I think that that always made me feel good. Like I never felt like he was like, oh, just you know, push it under the rug a little bit. He was always like, no, it's good. It's, it's good for everybody to hear how you're really feeling. And he knew that that helped me. Um, so I was lucky that I had people around me that, that liked to hear that vulnerable side, I guess, if that makes sense. Cause that would be very hard for me. Like I needed to get it out as best I could. I needed to call my sisters and sob on the phone and, um, not feel like they were judging me or I had to like wrap it up in a pretty bow. Um, so that, that was, that I think was the most helpful for me. And then I did go to therapy once I was done with treatment. I didn't have the mental capacity to work on my mental health during, like I just needed to get through it and survive the chemo and, and all of that. But then after I went to therapy and that was some of the hardest work I had done um, but was very, very impactful. I'm so glad I did it. That's amazing. And brave. So yeah, exactly. It takes a lot. Yeah. And the site you mentioned was Caring Bridge? Yes. Okay. So Caring Bridge is a place where, um, and it's not just for cancer, but it's if, you know, you want to be able to update, you know, a hundred people so that I'm not sending an email to each person just got out of chemo or just got out of, you know, my scan. And it shows that, this is happening. It's just a way to kind of blast out the information, which is nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And so all of these people who supported you. Yes. They're the ones that helped found Wigged Out. So Wigged Out was founded by myself and then three of my best girlfriends. So yeah, two from growing up um, here and we all went to high school together and then one from, from college. So those are like the four for founding members. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you kept it just going with all of these amazing people who yeah. knew the story, knew what had occurred and just wanted to keep giving back. Yeah. We just wanted to help. I mean, it was, we started this just to, to give back and, um, and yeah, and it really, the, the ball just started rolling and it there was a need there. I mean, there was a need there that, um, people needed help to, get these wigs because we've had so many stories of recipients that say, you know, I'm a single mom and I have three kids and obviously my medical expenses, I can't work as much. And my son has to go to, you know, want a trip to go to DC with his school. I'm going to, I'm going to pay for the DC trip and not my wig. And those are the stories that were just like, you're getting your wig today. I mean, there's just, um, there's so many of those that you don't realize, you know, it, you have to choose sometimes and, and a wig is going to be the thing that goes, but maybe that's the thing that's going to make you 
feel your best so you can fight and and do what you need to do. And so we've had so many of those stories that the impact on these wigs and these hair pieces, it's so deep for people. It's not, again, it's not just hair, so much more. Can you share a few of those? Yeah. So, and again, I mean, kind of just like ranging from the the single moms that we've helped to, we had a, a young girl um, applicant. I think she was about eight or nine at the time, which is my oldest daughter's eight right now. So I, I really do always think about that. And um, she needed surgery and there was a language um, translational like barrier between the doctor and the parents. And he was explaining to them that he was going to shave like a little piece of her hair. And they thought that, that, she, that they needed to shave her head before she went into surgery. And so she did and she had her surgery and then they could only afford um, sort of like a costume wig, like from a costume shop. And, and like I said before, kids' heads are obviously much smaller and kids' wigs are just different than adult wigs. And so she would wear this kind of like costume wig to school and kids would make fun of her. Um, and the school counselor had found us and applied um, and at the time I was in the day-to-day doing the applications. I just called the school counselor and I was like, e- tell those pa- parents to go wherever they want today. And like, we are doing this today. This child is getting a wig today. And she sent us, I mean, just the cutest little girl and her confidence in these, you know, pictures when she got her wig and her smile. And the school counselor was like, this was everything and more for this this little girl. And I think when you think about things like that, it's like, yes, that's what wigged out is about is providing a sense of self. And we were able to do that, you know, within a day for her and, and, and get it done. And, um, you know, there's so many different stories like that young people. We have so many young people that are, are getting married too, which is obviously very near and dear to our hearts because that's how wigged out was started. And we're able to get them a wig. We had a mom, recently that her son was getting married and she was like, I just want to look myself at his wedding and this is their wedding and I don't want it to be about me. And we were able to provide her the cutest wig and she sent in pictures and it's just story after story after story like that. And it's really fun. It's so fun. I love, love wigged out. I love being able to give back like this and just hear these stories. And each week we get sent because now we're, we're the founding members of the board and the gal that does our, all of our applicants each week. I mean, she sends these emails and you're just scrolling through like, this is incredible. Um, you know, cause we know, we know how impactful it is for these people. Yeah. Because you don't stop to think about like the wedding photos Yeah, and yeah. you'd be looking back for years to come. Right. And that's not necessarily the part of the memory that you would like to have. That's right. That's right. And so, yeah. How amazing is that? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, as we prepare to wrap up here, yep. can you remind people once again how to get a hold of you on both avenues? Sure. The family side yep. and then the wigged out side. Yep, you got it. So for wigged out, wiggedout.org um, is our website and it has you know all of the founding members on it. It has our story. It has how to apply um, and how to give back. Like if you ever wanted to donate, we have a really easy way to donate kind of right on the website as well. Um, 
I will say, you know, we do not have a lot of overhead. We really try to put everything back into programming, which we're really proud of too. Um, so yes, yeah, so if you're looking of a way to give, that that's a way. But all of our contact information is on there as well, but wigdout.org. And then for me personally, buildingblocksfamily.com. Both the same for our Instagram and Facebook is wigged out and then Building Blocks Family. So you can find us that way as well. That's awesome. And yeah. we'll be sure to include it at the base Perfect. of our post too, so they can get all awesome. of you that way. Yeah. And I know you do have it very clearly spelled out, like a donation yes. will get wigs or scarves. Yes. Or, so people can very clearly understand what their donation goes toward yes. and how it will help. Yeah. And we wanted to, out. yeah, we wanted to do that for wigged out too, for people who are donating, because it's nice to know, Oh, I just bought three wigs or I just bought one scarf or I just, like, it's nice to know exactly what that is. So yeah, we, we have that for you and I'm, I'm sure we can put that on there too. So you guys can see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you for letting me share my story. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And again, if anybody would like to get a hold of Chelsea to bring a wig out to your neighborhood, feel free to reach out to her as well. And the team can assist you in bringing this to your neighborhood. Thank you for joining us here on the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am Amber. And we look forward to seeing you in our Suivera community. You've been listening to the Heart Leader Podcast with your host, Amber, where heart and mind align. Tune in weekly as we take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. Ready to take the next step? Join us and over 1 million people worldwide who've united in creating this global movement of love. Become a heart leader for today and tomorrow. Learn more and connect with us at suivera.org.